Welcome, Aldo, to Play Hard, Look Dope. Thank you. You are a successful entrepreneur. Do you see yourself that way every single day? Yeah, pretty much. It's just in my DNA. Yeah. Let me tell you something. It, 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 was, it was tough. Maybe my grades weren't good enough to go into Ivy League, but I'll out-hustle anyone out there. Gee, I have to get a job now. Right. Every morning, I had to be at Hunts Point in the Bronx at 3, 4 in the morning, oh, dealing with all these meat people. Made me national sales manager at 22 years old to run the whole United States. They found a razor blade in the back. And that's how we began with the New York style bagel chip. When you get that call, you're like, Your company what? could be over. Totally. At someone of your level of success, what do you think about working from home? Who spent $300? I just happen to catch it. How many times don't I catch it, right? right. If that of was what, his own money, he would have that's, cared. That's my point. You said that a lot of people in the younger generation are more entitled. Yeah, well, I'm old school. I'm old school regarding how to be a salesperson, how to go about your business, treat people, how to show respect. And I just don't think the younger generation have those same traits as people who are old school like myself. Welcome, Aldo, to Play Hard, Look Dope. Thank you. Great to be here, and yeah. I love you guys. Great <laughs> to you. have you, man. We're so excited for today. Yeah, when you first asked me, something I've never done, so I figured, why not start with you guys? You're in New York right now because of the Rangers. Yeah, I was, I'm here. The opener was uh, Monday night, October 16th, and tomorrow night again, so that's why I'm here. Yeah. And uh, my wife gave me the clearance to stay in New York City by myself. For <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. She's a good oh, wife. Geez. Yes, I'm very fortunate. You are a successful entrepreneur. Do you see yourself that way every single day? Yeah, pretty much. Um, it's kind of just, I kind of just evolved into it. You know, when you go to college, you don't know what you want to do or what you want to be. And I fell into that. I wasn't smart enough to go to Ivy League school. Where'd you go to college? I went to Felly Dickinson in Teaneck, New Jersey. Oh. And I finished in three years, took summer courses, and I worked all during that construction jobs. And so I didn't have the full college experience. Uh, but for me, that worked out. And then I came out of college. It's like, okay, I uh, have to get a job. What and, kind of degree did you have? Uh, a degree in business and finance. And uh, so I said to myself, okay, maybe my grades weren't good enough to go into Ivy League, but I'll out-hustle anyone out there. So that was kind of, mm. that was kind of my grinder. mindset. Yeah, I was, like, I was like captain of the Little League team. I was always rah-rah, kind of a Pete Rose-type baseball player. If I had ball four, I'd run to first base. So that was always embedded in me as, as a young guy. So, did you grow up in New Jersey? Born and raised in Fort Lee, New Jersey. What was that? What was that like? Yeah, no, it was great because right next to the city, but not in the city, huge sports fan. So I had the best best father in the world. He would come home from work, five, six o'clock, exhausted, take us to the Garden for the Rangers, take us to Yankee Stadium, take us to the Giant Games. Or what did he do? That's game. My dad was an engineer. Okay. And uh, so, it, so it was wonderful. It really was great. And we would stay the entire game. And of course, he was tired from work. Yeah, he wanted to leave. The, the Rangers could be winning or losing five one. No, Dad, I want to stay to the final buzzer, <laughs> and he always did to make he us, did. make my brother and I happy. Wow. Yeah. So, That's, where do you think he got the grind hustle from? It's just in my DNA. Um, my father, super outgoing, super aggressive, and I think that's where I got it from. That's interesting. Yeah. So, in school, yeah, were you? someone that really paid attention in class or were you kind of bored in class were you thinking bigger at a younger age because i feel like entrepreneurship is something that you're 80 percent born with it's yeah. hard to teach yeah I, I would drift in school um uh, sitting there in one spot for a sustained period of time so yeah i kind of got bored with school did you think okay i'm gonna go through the reins i'm gonna do what i'm supposed to do i'm gonna go to school i'm gonna go to college yeah, and i'm gonna yeah. start my business kind when of like uh you know it's like it's like the blueprint that people have yeah and it's kind of like i was following the blue the blueprint so to speak and then i came out of college and then uh gee i have to get a job now my cousin uh my cousin mark introduced me to a cheese company in moonaki new jersey called dorman roth cheese and they hired me not for a lot of money and my job was to cover stores uh, so they gave me like 150 stores that I had to visit during the week and visit the deli managers to okay. make sure they carried the cheese and so forth. Sort of like a dish. And if they didn't carry, something? you had to convince them. If they them. didn't carry it, I'd have to make sure oh. that they put the other cheeses that we have to offer. And uh, and I remember I had said to my boss at the time, guy John, I said, how many stores do people normally cover? 
in a week. And he said, about 35. Now, they gave me the toughest territory because I was the new guy in the block. Mm-hmm. Long Island, Staten Island, Brooklyn, Queens. Coming from New Jersey, that was... That was it, yeah, it that's was, a schlep. That's all over. It was a lot. So I decided on my own to work on my own time on Saturday and Sunday because Sunday there was no traffic. So oh, I would, I, I would start smart. Riverhead, Long Island. Work. This was before GPS, before anything. Yeah. I'd map it all out, have all the papers in my car. I started doing 70 to 90 stores per week. Two months into the job, John, my boss, pulls me aside, true story, and says, you better cut it out. You're embar- <laughs> wait, wait. He no. said, you're, you're being too aggressive. You're embarrassing everyone. And stop doing this. So the and other I people said, are lazy and so you're right, fucking right. You were working hard. So now when he told me that, the next week, I did 100 stories. <laughs> yeah. Wait, so you yeah. went against your boss. I went against him. Immediately. Said, now I'm going to do more. Because why? You knew. Yeah, like where did you, you get that from? You I wanted to stand out. I wanted to be different. I wanted to be the hustler. So, real quick, about 10 years ago, I was at a trade show uh, and we're having dinner. And my ex-boss is there from when I first started. John. He's John still in the industry. Kind of in the same position. No. And there was about 10 people at dinner. And I said, so I told the story that I just told you to everyone. I said, John, and he remembered it. He goes, obviously, <laughs> he goes, obviously I was mistaken. <laughs> obviously I was wrong. That's, that's a true story. That's a good characteristic, though, of him to be like, okay, no, I was wrong. He acknowledged it. He was cool yeah, with it. Yeah. And uh, so I only stayed there for six months. So in six months, you six did months, I said, more you know than what? double what everyone else I got bored and, and wasn't making a lot of money. And then my cousin, again, uh, set up an interview for me with John Morrell. So who's John Morrell? They're a big meat company. At the time, owned by Chiquita Banana. And they also own Nathan's. And they were big, big in the meat. So every morning... Meat like cold cuts? Like, like, like beef. Okay. Okay. Beef in supermarkets and okay. and ribeyes. And, oh, okay. All, so all right. every morning, I had to be at Hunts Point in the Bronx... At three, four in the morning, oh, dealing with shit. all these meat people and then all these meat distributors. What was that like when you say that? Let me tell you something. It it, it was it was tough. I mean, it, it toughened me up from a street standpoint. Going through the Bronx at that time in the morning, unsavory characters, yeah, passing mm-hmm. all types of stuff. The Bronx was tough back then. Yeah, yeah. Now from Fort Lee, New Jersey, you know, look at a map, it's not far, but nevertheless, Going, getting up that early in the morning and dealing with that. Yeah, you have gunfights, you have hookers, you have yeah, all no, that. Yeah, drugs shit. everywhere. It right. was, uh, it, it was intimidating. Uh, but you know something? For some reason, again, in my DNA, I just adapted to it. And then six months went by. My cousin again. Your <laughs> <laughs> cousin's like your god. Right. And he'll remind you if you meet him. <laughs> so, uh, what he amazing. did was he, he set up an interview with me with this this wonderful husband and wife entrepreneurial team. And, and this couple had just started a brand, you're gonna know the name when I say it, New York Style Bagel Chips. Yeah, of course. Yes. So in 1989, I go down to Princeton, New Jersey. We met for lunch. We met for lunch. I love bagel chips. Yeah, we, we, we met for lunch and they said, we just started this little company. His wife invented the bagel chip and he says, I need a right-hand guy. And I don't want someone that's already established. I want someone that I can mold. mold how, yeah. yeah. Now, we both had type A personalities, so we hit it off. At the end of the lunch, he said to me, you're our guy. Quit what you're doing. Oh, but one shit. thing, one thing, 90 days, three months. You have to impress me. You have to be productive and show me that. You that's know, what he's saying to you. Yeah. He said to me, yeah. he, he made me national sales manager at 22 years old to run the whole United States. And all I knew at the time was the New York market. I knew the AMP, the Grand Union, the Pathmark. Those chains aren't even around anymore, right. some of those chains. Right. So I said, okay. So I quit the meat company, which I wasn't really enjoying anyway. And my first day of work, he gives me a book, literally this thick. And it was a grocery book of all the supermarket chains in the United States. And every day, He'd say, what's, what's in Oregon? I go, Fred Meyer. What's in Houston? Randall's. What's Get in Denver? Get out. You had to read so that. T- I didn't have real. a beer. I didn't go on a date. It was total focus. So you studied this book. I yeah. studied that book inside and out. And that's why st- to this day, I still know it. Right. <laughs> the third week in the company, he says, i never forget this. You're going to go to Phoenix. You're going to go to Salt Lake City. And you're going to go to Denver at the Triangle. And I set up some meetings for you, and you're ready. It's <laughs> only my third week. And... Uh, and, and you have power of attorney. 
If you mess up, it's on you for how much of a discount to give, how much of a deal to make, all that kind of stuff. Okay. So, so I started, that's how I started. And when I went on a meeting, what I did was what I just told you. I played a sympathy card. I'm on a 90-day probation. <laughs> you told I told them the whole story. I, I played that card. Of course, it was honest and it was true. And people... Uh, gravitated to me because of that. I mean, you don't have an usually you don't meet an honest salesman. No, you no. don't. You and, actually and, don't. And, and that's and that's how I began with the New York style bagel chips. So fast forward, ninety days goes by. Uh, I crush it. Gives me a little bit of a raise, very rewarding. And then he says to me, "I want to be in Canada. If you can't figure it out, I'll hire someone that does." I said, "Hold on, <gasps> give me some." So, so I just finished one challenge. Even after you did all this of is, that, wait, wait, this is this only is, after ninety days. Yes, uh, I did four one six area code, I believe it was. I called up Ontario, and lady said, "Well, what what's the company you want?" I and said, "Do they speak English in Canada?" Yes. No, I'm kidding. Yes. <laughs> in, in Quebec, they don't. In Quebec, they don't. <laughs> no, listen. So I asked her. I asked her where she buys her groceries. And she was why yeah, she gave me the phone numbers of all the top supermarkets. I bulldozed my way into an. So, dude, she was like your Google today. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. yes. No, that's, that's a good it analogy, is, right? So, I bulldozed my way into an appointment. I fly to Toronto. I the I tell the buyer my story. These names I'll never forget. He goes Aldo. There's a company called the William Dunn Company. They were a big broker back then, and someone works there named Bill Ivany. You should go meet them. They can guide you all throughout Canada and really help you. I immediately reached out to these people. I met this guy, Bill Ivany, and we hit it off. He goes, Aldo, you go to Vancouver, you meet this guy named Fred Hornet. You go oh to Winnipeg, Saskatoon, Nova Scotia. They like gave you the layup. They set the you up. The whole layup. I spent like 10 days up there over the weekend. Damn. I came back to my boss and I said, I got Canada <laughs> nailed down. True story. True story. What did he say? It was pretty wild. He, he was very happy. I feel like he he knew that you could do it, though, in right, a sense. No. You know, I always say something that I was 22, 23, and he hired me with no national experience. A lot of people would not have done that. No, right. yeah. And forever grateful to him for doing that because he, he springboarded my career. He had a lot of faith. So obviously he, he of faith saw in something in you. You yes. were like a diamond yeah. in the rough. yeah. And he yeah. saw he saw that he saw something he about you. He did, and he's like, "I know he could fucking do it." And he yeah. challenged you, and we clicked. And now he also reaped the benefits of total course. dedication, total focus, building his business. Uh, was possessed, lived and breathed the brand. That's what you have to do at that level, and that's what I did. And then we sold bagel chips to uh, Nabisco in May of 1992. So yeah. this mm. after how long were you there? Uh, about. Three and a half years. That's it. It was quick. It was quick. Wow. Yeah. So you scaled his business. Yes. Pretty much. You scaled yes. it. You yes. Scaled yes. Scaled very, it. very proud of the uh, of the can job you say I did. What it was sold yeah, can for? you say that? Uh, yeah, it was sold for about twenty million. Nice. But back then. Yeah. That's back a lot then, back then. Actually, yeah. Christy Brown bought the company. But then you're gonna say to me, Aldo, who's Christy Brown? I'm gonna right. say that to you for sure. Christy <laughs> Brown is the at the time, I don't know if it still is, is the Canadian version of the Bisco. So in Canada, say said Nabisco Oreo cookies. It says Christy Brown Oreo cookies. Oh, no way. So oh, the Canadian okay. version of Nabisco purchased the New York style bagel chips. That is fucking. It's pretty amazing. wild. Pretty wild. I mean, I was only I was still in my mid twenties at that point, and I had like this accelerated path of success. Yeah. And it was it was pretty cool, but it was also sad when we sold it. Okay, that's a good. Because you're like, what am I going to do? What now? am I going to do now? Yeah. Totally. So then what happened? So did you get like a little? What uh, happened was Nabisco hired me, and no, yeah, I and which I respected. I was very nice. I don't want to work for a large company, so for a short time. Because why? Um, the the, uh, the structure, the environment. Um, I'm I'm more of an asset when I'm just let go and free, versus being in, in a micromanage. Yeah, the, it's, it's, uh, it's not my personality. Yeah. yeah. So, so a gentleman he since passed away. Really nice man named Steve Bernard. He was the founder of Cape Cod Potato Chips. Oh, no way. Everyone knows that. I yeah. love them. Yeah. yeah. Went up to Cape Cod, and he was launching a, a new crouton company, and I left Nabisco, went with him. I helped build that up for him. It, it was successful. Uh, and then we got to the tail end of that, and he hadn't sold it yet, but I took it as far as I could. And he was a very nice man, and I decided that you know, I really didn't want to do that anymore. Now, as that all was happening... The same two people that I did the bagel chips with, they reached out to me 
and they said, we have this uh, plastic bottle bank, and we're going to fill it with popcorn, big, big bottle, like a piggy bank. But we want to put logos on the front. And we don't know much about sports, Aldo, but we know that you do. We want to put the Yankee logo and this logo. So I say goodbye to Steve. We had a nice run. I, and, I, and I went back with the original people that hired me. And I went and got the licenses from the NHL, from baseball, the NFL. How'd you do that? I yeah, I was going to say, how, how, did, you, how do you, do you even... I, I pick up the phone. I made an appointment. I went to New York City. And, and I met the licensed people in New York City. Okay. And you had to convince them in the meeting. I went and got Elvis this... Presley's license in Memphis. We had a guitar. I went and got... The, back then, I was hanging out with Goldberg and Sting and Reno. I hang out with all these guys because we had this, this novelty item. We were making a good living doing that, but it, it wasn't like earth-shattering, okay? Because how many bottle banks can you sell? Right. But as we're doing the bottle banks... His wife invented in her kitchen this item that she came in in a Ziploc bag in 2002, I believe it was. Hmm. And the item was a flat pretzel. And Get out. It was a you know a flat pretzel? Yes. I don't know. It was a flat pretzel. Look. So she's pretty fucking smart. She's very, very smart. Yeah. She's very, very smart. And, and she said, you think, you think you could do what you did with the bagel chips with the pretzel yes, crisp? very thin, yeah. Yeah, very thin. Yes. Now, it took two years to figure out how to make it in the kitchen to mass produce it. In those two years, we kept selling the bottle banks. My daughter's born 2004. Pretzel crisp is born 2004. My friend, my buddy Adam, Hoboken, New Jersey, we do the packaging in his apartment. To this day, even if they rebranded it, there's pinstripes on the packaging because I'm a Yankee fan. To no. this Yeah. So now. Fucking great. I was going to say, get out. <laughs> yeah. It was wild. So 2004, Pretzel Chris is born. My daughter is born. First year, we do about $7 million in sales. And from, then, from the packaging in the apartment. In the, yeah, in the apartment. And, and her in the kitchen. And her in the and kitchen. So this is like homegrown. two years to figure out yeah. how to, to, to manufacture it, find the right company that can make the product for us. And where are you manufacturing it? it. We, we, we started in Pennsylvania. That didn't work. We had a breakage issue. Then we ended up in Wisconsin with this great company that uh, that's, that's kind of solved the breakage issue. And, and that's, and that's oh, the, so the, the, the crisps were breaking in the bag? They were breaking in the bag. On, on ah. a, upon arrival. Yes. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But here was the biggest hurdle with that item. If you went down the grocery aisle, they sell a giant bag of pretzels for 99 cents. We were going to be sold in the deli section for six ounces for $3.99, 399 $4.99. So it's way more expensive. Right. So let me go back really quick. The bagel chips we put in the deli section. Why? We pioneered snacks in the deli section. Back then, the only snacks in the deli section were, were no snacks. It was just meat and cheese. Meat. All the snacks were in the Frito-Lay aisle, right? To get in that aisle, $100,000, $200,000, $50,000. We didn't have that kind of money. Right. In the deli, no charge. No. No charge. Because they never did it before. Because they couldn't because even, they they couldn't, couldn't they even, couldn't even, even tell you what it would be. Yeah, they couldn't we give could, us the We convinced them, because there's a big spoilers issue in the deli. They throw a lot of meats and cheeses away after the day. I said, so now carry this item, the bagel chip. It's going to last. It'll last one year shelf life. Oh, make it for all your spoils. Shit. So we pioneered that. Of course, oh the my United God, States. is this not fucking that unbelievable? Is, yeah. <laughs> Pretty <laughs> that wild. That is brilliant. So, so when we came out with the pretzel crisp, I went back to the same people. Now, they said, Aldo, they're selling 99 cents. This is where relationships came in. Okay, you know what? We're going to give you a shot because we know you, got to like you, and, uh, and the item is pretty good. And that's how it started. And people gravitated to the, to the pretzel crisp. Pretty, pretty phenomenal. And then it built and built. And then after year five or six, we took on um, an investor, and they were tremendous partners in 2009. And then in 2012, the company was sold. Now remember, I just told you, 2004, first year, $7 million in sales. Right. In 2012, the company, and it's public knowledge. That's five years later. Five was sold to um, companies 2004, so eight years was the longevity of the company with the investment firm for three, four years. We sold to Snyder's a handover uh, for $340 million. Whoa. Which, which, which it made a lot of people, changed a lot of people's lives. It was really fascinating. From an item that <laughs> came in a Ziploc bag 
took a couple years to figure out how to mass produce it. And then it. went into the deli section. Yeah. And, and, uh, went and packaged in Pioneer. your friend's Pi- right, exactly. in your friend's house with pinstripes. Right, exactly. Pinch From right. the Yankees colors. Right. And, and one of the part I'm, I'm, I'm leaving out was I didn't have a normal life. Um, all my friends are playing softball. I, I was averaging almost 200 flights a year every year. How old are you at this point? At this point in um, 1992, uh, we sold the bagel. I was 25, 35, 36 okay. years old. Right. I'm averaging, you know, landing in airports, getting rental cars. Very there were no driver services. We couldn't right. afford to do that. Right. And so 200 flights a year, you know, not flying first class, always right. in coach, right. watching the expenses. So I did that aggressively for all those years. So you're flying like every other day. Yeah, and entertaining. Um, Monday night dinner in Seattle with customers. Tuesday night dinner in Portland. Wednesday night dinner in San Francisco. Thursday night Los. Wait, Fr- okay, so you're saying different states, Every and state. you're going meeting. Wait, yeah. I just caught no, that. Yeah, so yeah. You're- when you're flying two hundred times, you're no. All so I'm so I'm trying to I'm trying to, to figure it out. So Monday states. night dinner with customers and then you're going to leave and get every, on a flight in early in the every morning. Every night was every day was meetings and dinners at night. Every day, every night, nonstop. So you different. land and have like five and, hours to get ready and, for another and, dinner. And, That's, and, yeah. and now by the fifth, sixth night, those buyers look forward to me coming to town. Yeah, they want it was, you it to. was a break from their life, from the kids. Hey, Aldo's coming to town. Yeah, meanwhile, it's my fifth night in a row. So you have Holy to be on, though. You need to be I on. I had to be on. I had I had to be Michael Jordan. Wow, I had, to, I had an off game. Fucking grueling. Um, and you had to watch the drinking. You can't be dragging. You know, yeah. I was younger, had more energy, right. so to speak. Yeah. But nevertheless, it, it was... Uh, and they so, didn't care that you were coming from the, your fourth night out. No, they didn't know no, or they didn't they care. Don't they don't know. They don't care. Right. Yeah. Fun. It's well, fun, Aldo. Meet fun Aldo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're like, yeah. yeah, let's go. So so that that was pretty uh, pretty intense. And then um, following the sale of um, of the Pretzel Crisp, uh, 2013, Snyder's had hired me. I accepted the position. And then um, I decided to go on my own. In 2013, uh, I had some people pushing me, um, some good people pushing me to go on my own. And so door door number one was stay with Snyder, security, health benefits. Door number two was start my entire company all on my own and see where I could take it. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. and you could fail on you could fall on your fucking face. I could face. fail. Of course, I yeah. put some money that I got from the sale of the Pretzel Crisp yeah. into that business. Yeah. It could have failed. Right. Um, I hired a really good team. I had a really good team, and that was very important. You can't do everything yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, the with the with the pretzel crisp, I was the the only sales guy. I lived and breathed the brand, and when I started my own brand, I lived and breathed the brand. Of course, and uh, and then I eventually put a team around me of great people, and uh, made sure everyone was taken care of properly, especially in the back end if we ever sold the company. So did did you feel your team was living and breathing the way you did for the prior brand? Yeah. Well, listen, um, no one's gonna be me. Uh, I don't say that in an arrogant way right. by any no, means. Yeah. Right. But yeah, when you absolutely. start something and it's, and it's your baby right. from that standpoint. Uh, but I would say that the majority of the people that I hired uh, understood uh, how they had to be. They, they had to measure up to, to the level. And, mm-hmm. and they did. And, and they did, did you like hold their feet to the fire? How how are you as a boss? How are you running shit? Yeah, well. It's the first time you're running shit. How are you running yeah, yeah, shit? It's, it's a whole different. I'll tell you this. Um, the the brand first was a, a product called Dip and Chips, which is kind of like a Tostitos yeah, scoops. And I know that because you, you need a product, right? Right. And the guy that was making the pretzel crisp for us said, "I can make this for you, Aldo." So that's how I started my own business with that. And uh, the first the first year and a half or so, it it took off. It was very successful, but the entire time I wanted to do a cheese item. Uh, the Dip and Chips was kind of like a, a place mark, and I wanted to get into the the cheese item. A protein snack and whatever. So that's how kind of we've evolved into the par- palm crisps. Mm. And then we, we only had so much resources that we could use, so we had to make a decision. So we kind of faded out the dip and chips, but all that real estate that I gained with the dip and chips, I put the palm crisps on the shelves in all the stores. I just substituted it in, and, and, and that worked out really, really well, obviously. It, it just, it, and it took off, again, in a deli section. In the deli section. Wow. So that became your niche area, the deli that, section. Right, the deli section became my niche, and 100%. I feel like if so you I'm, like reinvented that whole fucking yeah, deli Yeah, because section. I'm thinking like if I'm a consumer in a grocery store and I have already passed the snack aisle 
and I didn't get anything there because right. you kind of there's a lot of information online now. Mm -hmm. You don't you want to avoid those big aisles with the big bags of right. chips and blah blah blah. Right. So you pass those and you're like, okay, I'm doing I'm I'm doing really well right now. And then you get into the deli aisle and you see something a little unexpected. Yeah. And your perception is already that it's healthier because yeah. it is healthier because there's more requirements to get yeah. to that level. And then you become a consumer of that product. And one more, that's well said. And one more thing. <laughs> if you go in the snack aisle, what do you see? 50 items. Go in the deli section, yeah. is more of a, of a spotlight on the few items that are there. Absolutely. So that, that worked in our favor. So one thing I didn't bring up, the entire time, once I got comfortable on the road, I knew what I was doing, I made all my appointments around the sports schedules of the New York Rangers. <laughs> no, you did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh my God. If, I, if I'm gonna be in the city having a meeting, then that night, why not take customers to the game rather than go to oh, dinner? Oh, smart. So that's so, so all the Ranger games. Uh, and then you fulfill games. your passion as well. That's, That's right, amazing. and it was it, it was tremendous to see all different buildings. I've been to nearly every building of four major sports across, across the whole country. I was going to ask you, yeah, what, have you seen Jordan live? Yeah, many times. The original Chicago Stadium, the new, the United Center. I've been to hockey games in the old stadium in Chicago. Damn. Yeah, Gretzky and uh, Edmonton, all that kind of stuff. No, yeah. Kobe, Kobe, uh, Kobe, many, many times. It, it was just a fascinating. You're you're passionate about the sports. Here's what was Dr. Funny, J. Not Dr. J. Not Dr. You're J. Right, right. Dare you. Not Dr. That J. Would you. I'm not that old. Yeah, I love Dr. So, J, bro. What, what, what one funny thing is, is, you know, when I had the boss, especially Pretzel Chris, if the team makes the playoffs, like, I remember, forget, Rangers were playing in Ottawa one year, and I'm like, huh, how am I going to get to Ottawa? So there's a Costco buying division, and Costco has two, eight buying divisions in the United States, then they have two buying divisions in Canada, Vancouver and Ottawa. So... I sent an email to the buyer. I go, can you send me an email back saying we have an appointment on this day? <laughs> so she sends me a fresh Stop. email. I love and that. My, I love my, that. I would have done that. And my boss says, what a coincidence that the same day the Rangers are there. Should we just meet there? Because he caught on to what I was doing. Right. The same day the Rangers for a playoff game, you have to be in Ottawa. What a coincidence. What am I going to do, yeah. boss? What? Yeah. 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 That, but like, I'm going to close the deal, and I'm sure you yeah, close the deal. Because that's, that, of course. And, right. and then that way, everything was expensed because it was a business expense. Right. I'd have mm -hmm. to pay for it myself to go to the game. Right. Right. So that was right. kind of cool. Really right. That was a little, right. little, like, little perk yeah. that I kind of gave myself um, doing all those flights. I mean, yeah. for th nearly 36 years, I averaged nearly 200 flights a year wow. for 36 that years. Yeah. My record was in 2017, 449 flights on United Airlines. Wow. They, the president called me up. United honored it, me. Really? It was, yeah, he really did. That's amazing. In Newark Airport. It was pretty wild. It was pretty wild. I have so many questions. I'm going to go back a little yeah. bit. Yeah, okay. Um, you mentioned something about you living, breathing, and sleeping the brand that you worked for previously when your boss said, I'm going to give you a 90-day yeah, kind I, of probation period. Shot, I yeah. lived the bagel chips and yes. lived the pretzel crisp. Uh, my yeah. question is, how, if you were speaking to to smaller businesses today, yeah, how do they find people like that? What did you see in your boss? Yeah, that made you want to be that way. Great I think, question. I think the most. I always tell people when. Um, my wife sort of went to Penn State. We went there a few years ago, and she had told everyone I was an entrepreneur. And now I'm at a, I'm at a Penn State tailgate. I'm smoking cigars. I'm drinking, <laughs> and like 15 guys from the business or a fraternity come over. I felt like I was in a seminar. They're asking me a hundred questions. Yeah. I said, "What what makes a great salesman?" And and I say kiddingly, but in in a way, it's true. You gotta have a really good item. If you have a, a good item, that helps. Now, let's say you have an average item. The thing that I prided myself on was follow up. A lot of people don't follow up these days. Oh, I'll get back to you on Tuesday. But you, know what? you better damn well get back on Tuesday if you say you're going to do that. Mm -hmm. So my follow-up, even to this day, was, was like I was so into the follow-up. And part two, let's say the buyer did give me the order and they said what they were going to do. I would handwrite, and to this day I still do it, I handwrite a thank you card and I would FedEx it to them. That way it didn't get lost in the mail, especially the big accounts. I'd mail some of them, but the bigger accounts, 
write them a handwritten thank you card for giving me the first order and giving me a chance to be in your stores. And mm. I would often would Federal Express it to them because no one else did that and that would stand out. So a little, there's little things that I just adapted to and no one told me to do that. I just went and did it on my own. So it's so very of, personal. Yeah. yeah, that's what I did. Yeah. What, did, what did you see in your boss that made you want to kind of run through a wall for him? Um, we were on the same page from a standpoint of wanting the success. And uh, uh, I was naturally driven on mm -hmm. top of it. And you know when they say, love what you do? I really loved what I did. And okay. I still love what I do. I really did. And uh, so that played a lot into it. When you love what you do, listen, we all can be a professional baseball or hockey player, right? That would be my first choice, be a professional <laughs> right, athlete. Right. Right, so, so that yeah, was his too. Right. Yeah, right. of course. Right. Okay, so, so that didn't happen. Right. That didn't happen, okay? I'm not smart enough to be a nuclear physicist. So, yeah. okay. I can't even spell that. Right, right. I didn't even know that, that was a thing. <laughs> right. so, you, right. you, so you may be. So, so sales, sales was, was definitely in my DNA. Okay. Yeah, and I just gravitated to it. And to this day, it, it really worked out well. But when I do speak to people who ask me about that, I just say, breathe it, live it, follow up, passion, make yourself stand out. Don't be over aggressive where you're annoying someone either. There's that fine line, right, right. that fine line. Um, but I've done some crazy things. There was an account in San Antonio called HEB Supermarkets. And this buyer- Oh, I've heard of them. This, yeah. yeah, this buyer, they, they won't even pretzel Chris. So I, I, I got permission from my boss. I got a billboard. I found out his route to work. And I bought a billboard so he would see my, my, my brand. Get yeah, out. Yeah. And then here's how we got the account. True story. I go to San Antonio. Uh, I have a good friend there. There was a Nets game there at the time. And my friend had great seats. That night, we had a, a crazy party. And, uh, uh, you know, I overdid it a bit. And I also had a girl at this point that was working with me. And we had a 12 o'clock lunch with, with the buyer, with the buyer. And uh, it's an early lunch. I show up, I show up, I'm like 38% physically. Right. <laughs> His name was Doug. Right. Great guy. So you're 62% drunk. That's, a, that's <laughs> very low. I have to right. say, that's very low and, for right. physically and, appearing and, right. <laughs> Yeah. Right. And let me tell you something. I never would have done that. I never would have done that, but I knew getting the account was like a million to one shot. So I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm having a good time with yeah, all my friends here. Yeah, it's like here. whatever. I'll yeah. show up, I show up. All my up, friends yeah. are in with the New Jersey Nats, all my buddies. Yeah. Like Jason stuff. Kidd and stuff like that. Yeah, that I got to know Jason yeah. really well and, and yeah. a lot of people in the broadcasting team. And to this day, they're friends. Yeah. So I go to lunch and you can, you can ask Amy who, who, who was with me that day, who worked with me. I said, listen, I'm really hungover. I'm shot. I have a great product. It sells everywhere. You guys haven't bought the product. I don't know why you're not buying the product. I'm not blaming you, Doug. You just took on the desk six months ago. You just your got fault. here. So if you're not going to buy it and you don't care, I'm going to go back to bed. <laughs> That's what 38% showing yeah. up is. Yeah. Yeah. I literally yeah. said that. That's I wasn't being a jerk. Yeah. Oh and he goes, no. why don't you stay for the entire lunch? He became a friend. He put my product in. And the rest was I wanted to, I think True he story. wanted to see if you were going to vomit or not. No, I know. Lunch. Because I might have to say 38%. <laughs> right, he's like, no, he didn't vomit. Right. I'm yeah, buy I, I, I was 38% is so considered drunk tired. the next day. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, I was tired. So that, that, that was, uh, so there are a lot of cool stories like that, that, that meeting all these people in all these years. So while I did sacrifice, um, I sacrificed going to stuff for my daughter, missing soccer games and, is it stuff like that? Yeah, look at that angle, mm -hmm. which I will never do again, obviously. Uh, but I, I think I made it up to her, and I will keep doing that. Um, I also not hang out with my friends, not going to playing you know softball leagues and all that kind of stuff, because I, I was on the road since I was 22 years old. Right. Until right. it takes incredible discipline. I only, it only stopped because of COVID. I was okay. 200 flights a year up until COVID, so like 30 some odd years of non-stop intense traveling dinners wow. entertaining being on follow-up all that kind of stuff so let me ask you um before we get to how it stopped with covid when you were in this were you just a lot of times entrepreneurs because i'm sitting between two of them you know say you put your head down and you do the work mm -hmm. were, was that what it was like for you yeah and you said you said that you you know enjoyed what you did yeah but was it very much like i'm putting my head down i have a meeting here i have a meeting here i'm doing this 
was there any time where you kind of sat back and enjoyed your accomplishments? Yes, yes. I, I, fun is my middle name, and there's no doubt about it. I definitely enjoyed the accomplishments. But let me tell you another quick, scary story. I start my own company, The Dip and Chips. I leave the Pretzel Crisp. We Our first shipment, I think, was in May, around Memorial Day. What year is this? Um, 2013. Okay. I get a phone call from Costco. Costco put my product in right away because of my relationships, and they liked the item. They found a razor blade in the bag. Get the fuck. Yeah. Found a razor blade in the bag. I'm like, I should have stayed with the pretzel crisp. I should have stayed. <laughs> oh, I should have done this Wait. my own company. So what were you shaving one I day? I was and you, literally no, never. I was not expecting no, that. No, right, all. right. So, so when you, you get that call, you're like, your company what? could be over. Totally. Here's what happened. Shit. Here's what. So I said, I said, well, what kind of razor blade is it? And and they, they, we got the razor blade and huh. And then I talked to my buyer at Costco. I said. When they opened the stretch wrap in the oh. warehouse at Costco. They dropped it? It was a Costco blade. It was a Costco well, fault. Thank God it was And they that. were professional enough to acknowledge that. And I said, listen, it's done. It's over with. It was a mistake. They could have ruined you right now. They could have literally. They could have yep. just said, yeah. you know, whatever. Oh it's done and, uh, and they said, okay. And it went away. But in the moment... I thought my company was done before right. I even got the first base. Yeah, right. that's so. All that happened in the last two years selling it, right? You no, know, and and so how did you scale your company? That that might not have happened. So, when you start a company, say you have to make sure you have enough production, right? Because if if you start getting all these sales orders and you can't ship, then you're letting everyone down. So we had to pace ourselves, which we did. Uh, and it just kind of evolved, and we grew, and we grew, and and we forecasted correctly, and 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 then when I got into the Palm Crisp, we got our own factory, we opened it up in in York, Pennsylvania, and then you know what happened? And this is what time period now? 2017, 18, when, when the okay. COVID. So the Palm Dip and Chips faded out, Palm yeah. Crisp faded in, took on an investor, which was a great partner, really nice people. Private equity people. Private or, equity people, yeah. okay. which took a lot of risk away from me. I still right. owned a large percent of the company, right. but uh, but I put some cash in my pocket. Right. Everyone, so the company what shared made, with So what that. made you decide to do that? They made me an offer I couldn't refuse. Okay. As they they came to you? Right. Yeah, they, okay. right. yeah. And did you feel you needed like that fire, that fuel no, to, a buddy to grow? My, no, I, I said no five times. I said no five times. I said no, I don't want to sell anything. I want to keep, keep it all. And... They kept going up and up, and it got to a point where if I didn't say yes, then I was foolish from a financial standpoint. I had a, right. plus it took all, took a lot of liability away from me. Right. So I was still running the show, still chairman of the board, still right. my company, uh, but it was the right move to make. And then when we got our own factory in York, Pennsylvania, for the Palm Crisp, COVID hit. They mm -hmm. shut the factory down. Oh, they shut the factory down. We had to oh, shit. COVID. Right. So now Palm Crisp, which we're doing great. Now it's on hold. That's interesting because they kept the grocery stores open, so I figured that yes, they but would. Yes, here's, here's what happened. Mm -hmm. They called up, they go, they wanted the essential items, milk, water, meat, mm. you know. Liquor, you could go to I a mean, liquor honestly, store. honestly, the liquor store is hello, <laughs> right. we're liquor's open. essential. So, <laughs> so, so fortunately, again, because my relationships, they, they still were buying my product, and it slowed down considerably. We got through that, fortunately. We got through that. You know, in the middle of that whole story, I just said, for, I got into the cookie business also. Um, I was at a, a Sam's Club meeting, and they were thin cookies at the time were very popular. Okay. And, and the buyer had said, you know, our manufacturer is not shipping on time, and can you make a thin cookie? And I knew some people that knew, knew people, and, and the same guy that did the packaging with the pinstripes and, and um, made a package called um, Mrs. Thinsters. That's the original name I wanted for the mm. Palm Crisp. I wanted the name Thinsters for the Thin uh, Cracker, Palm Crisp. But when Sam's Club said, can you make me a cookie? Do you have a, do you have a logo? We said, yeah, I have a logo. <laughs> and we just showed him that. <laughs> so he didn't even we showed him that. <laughs> he just, yeah, I'm sure, like, yeah, yeah, I have a logo. They liked it. Yeah. They liked it. We found a manufacturer in the St. Louis area that can make cookies. And that's how I got in the cookie business. So that was like... A portion of our business, 10, 15%. It was, to this day, the brand still lives. So you kind of threw that together. Yeah, I was going to say, same that factory, was, same. No, no, different no. factory, oh. whole different 
whole different. How did you throw that goodness. together? Yeah, so how quickly? do you even? Yeah, it just came natural to me. I, I can't explain it. And I had a good team. I had some good people at this point that are hired that I could delegate to uh, that really came through for me. So I, you mm-hmm. know, I could give them full credit for that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so so then COVID happened. We got through COVID, fortunately. When COVID happened, how did it affect your business? Yeah. Well, it affected our business when uh, supermarkets stopped buying the product. And then, and then the person that was making our packaging, person that makes our boxes, they couldn't ship us the boxes. They couldn't ship us the packaging. Oh, so the entire shit. operation Everything just shut down. broke down. We couldn't, we couldn't make product. We had no bags. And you're the top person that everyone's calling. Like, what's going on? Do we have a job? Like, do we produce? Do we lot, not? What do we do? A lot of pressure. Yeah. A lot of pressure at that point. So how long were you, like, shut? That was, like, almost a year. A year? A year. It was, like, almost a year that we were stumbling. We that's, were stumbling. That's longer than I thought. We were stumbling through that, and we, we, we persevered through it. We just thank God. We, we just we kept the focus. Were you able to keep your entire staff on? Uh, for the most part. Yeah. Yes, for the most part. Any, anyone that we had to get rid of, we brought back. Okay, that's awesome. The majority we brought back. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Palm Chris started f- flying off the shelves. Why? Why? Now with a snack mix, okay. which was a big deal. Snack mix with a cheese item inside. So you had like a category killer. So we had the snack mix. That's exactly right. Uh, that's good, John. I like that. Category killer. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so we come out with the snack mix and uh, people really gravitated to it. And that really helped catapult the company at that point. And, um, and then people started looking at us and inquiring about us. And then it got to a point where, uh, you know what? May- maybe we should explore uh, putting it up for sale. Which is, again, it's exciting, but having been through it with the bagel chips, having been through it with the pretzel crisp, it's sad. And because and when you sell, then you say goodbye to it everybody. It feels kind of empty, right? You say right? goodbye to everybody. Yeah. Right. And it's definitely um, a joyous moment, but also a sad moment. So mm. when, when people are looking to acquire you, yeah. are you having conversations with your private equity team? So or are they in yeah. charge? Are you in charge? Yeah, so it, what happened was um, you know, we, the process is you hire uh, a specialist that does mergers and acquisitions. And you, we interviewed a number of them, like five of them, who, who thinks they do the best job for us. And they act like as the broker, and they get a percentage of the sale. And then the investment firm and myself and my team, we, we picked the one that we thought was best. And then you go through a whole process of, of then, they, they, then they go out and find people that are interested in buying your company. And you put together like a loose leaf book, mm. a story of your company. You put a story together. And you send that book out to all these people. And then you wait. For the bids that come in, and that's that's like kind of a it's like a week. You like that's a little nerve wracking, right? Anyone make a bid? Anyone right. make a bid? Does anybody care about me? Does anybody care about right, right. my story? Yeah. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. So, so, it's like it's almost like a dating service. Yeah, it is. It, it is. Was it's you're putting your profile out there, yeah. and you're waiting you, yeah. for someone you put, to You put this loose, you put this book out there with all your financials, and and you send it out there to people that asked about it, and then you wait for the bids. And, you and how are you feeling? I was like gonna this? say. Yeah. It's it pretty personal. Was, well, yeah, it's very personal, very exciting. It's mixed emotions. Mm-hmm. It it's really almost is. like you're standing there like naked. Yeah, it's really. You know, what I'm uh, saying? you know, but the thing is, I've been through this a few times. You have to strike when the iron's hot, so to speak, and you have to sell at the right time, and you hope it's the right time. Like with anything in life, you know, do you sell your house now? Do you keep your house? Will it be worth more in five and there's years? Cri- there's criticism as yeah. well. Yeah, when it, like right. you're sure. selling your house, and you so can like, leave we didn't money like, on the table. Yeah, and yeah. they come back and they say, "We like this. We don't like this. Yeah. Why, why did you do and that?" Then, okay. And then, then your team's getting nervous. Oh, Aldo, you're selling the company. Where, where's my gonna, job? Am yeah. I going to have a job when it's sold? You know, I I don't know. You you might with the new people. I don't Ooh. know who the new people are yet. It's, yeah, because oh. I was on that side too. But oh. I have a job, so I. So some I've been people on both leaving. Sides. Some people leaving. Some people left. Some people stayed. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah. so it kind of just disintegrates. But but everyone was taken care of, which I really was happy about. Um, so we, how long how long did it take? You so so 2013 the company started, and we sold the company at December 2021. So how many people put bids in? There were about five bids. Okay. That came in, ranging in different amount of money. Uh-huh. And then, and then those five people. Then, then you do the uh, in-person meetings at that point. 
Mm-hmm. Now you and are you involved? In you that? sit in the conference room. Yeah. So I was involved in the beginning, and then after that, the um, the, the person I hired that I made president and my VP of sales I hired, they handled all the meetings, and part of the reason for that is. They were going to go with the new company, whoever okay. bought them. Got it. Okay, I, they were going to stay yeah. on. I was not going with the new company. Right. So I wanted those people to get to know the people. And, and, and they were also hands-on with the company at that point. They right. knew everything that was going on. Right. Uh, smart people. And so that's why I was involved in all that kind of stuff. That's, that's interesting. Why. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I just sat back and yeah. had the meeting go and yeah. that kind of stuff. You kind of get the notes yeah. from what, what happened. Yeah. And then like, who's, who makes the final decision? The final decision on our sale was made by the uh, investment firm. Yeah, okay. they made the they 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 made the final decision, and of course they came to me mm-hmm. and and some other people in my company, and we said we, this is the best offer, this is the most solid offer. We don't think they're going to back out, and this is the one I think we should take, and that's what happens. And then it's do a you wild say, process. Do you say yes, yeah. I agree, or yeah, yes, okay. yes, yes. Sometimes the highest offer is not the best offer. Right. Right. Because you don't know how solid right. uh, their money is. Is it right. cash? Is it is it half in stock? Is it half in money? Right. You know, we, we wanted all cash pretty much. So this is all cash. Yeah, it was a cash. We, we didn't want, um, I didn't want stock. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't want stock. Right. So that's kind of. So who wound up buying you guys? A company called uh, Hain Celestral. Okay. I believe I'm pronouncing it correctly. They have a whole food platform. Mm-hmm. And they have like a tea as well because like, I, I see it they have a lot of products they have a lot of products they have a whole platform of products yeah. and actually my VP of sales is, is still working for them oh, really? oh that's amazing there are some people that are still working for that's them cool. yeah, that's cool yeah which is cool. nice that, that means that they were, good, they were good people yeah because... so it worked out for them and they're happy and other people left and other people are working at different companies and anyone that used me as a um, what's the term uh, a recommendation yeah uh, testimonial I would speak to the people who call me how is this employee like, all positive that's, oh, that's amazing good. yeah because they deserved it they deserved so it. then this sale was consummated what when, it, when did it happen yeah no December 2021 what are we right now 21 this is okay. 22 23 this is, 20. this is 23. so like a year and a half ago <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah so yeah. what have you been doing the last year and a half so um I was a bum for a little while. <laughs> well, you know, basically... A wealthy bum. Well, I, I was so intense. For, I'm nearly 60 years old. So intense as I was 22 years old. Not taking vacations, you know, that type of thing. And I just had to, like, completely decompress. I had to really decompress, and, and that's what I did. So you did um, like seventy-five weeks of vacationing. I did. I did a lot of lot of Italy. I mean, good for you. <laughs> I'm Italian, yeah. honestly. I mean, and, going uh, from and, and a ton of time with my daughter, my wife, yeah. and and my close friends, and yeah, it was really cool. Um, and then I was presented an opportunity to um, uh, be an investor. Yeah, and be, be on the board and be part of a uh, a really cool uh, new tea item, oh, which is yes, right here. We got it right here. R Y L. And this, this item, is what is in our vodka tonight. That's that is, right. I was gonna say yeah. I can, I can, I like it. This like started it. in January, so this is this is a baby. So you heard my stories of all these companies. So you have a new baby. So this is a baby right now. Now January of this year. Yes, January. Can you hand me that one? So, so I can we're see talking what? ten months ago. The founder, the founder, is a twenty-eight-year-old um, Kosovo refugee. Forbes did a whole article on him. Mm. I often no say way. to him. He's become a close friend. Uh, love the guy. Super, super intelligent. I, he kind of reminds me of the character Matt Damon, Goodwill Hunting. Okay, that's yes. how he is. Okay, his work ethic is off the charts. Mm-hmm. A lot of young kids today have no work work ethic, right. self entitlement. Yeah. I have no patience for that. He is the opposite. He's amazing, and his grandmother got him in the tea when he was younger, and. The refugee and all that kind of thing. And uh, so this is what I'm doing now. And then we got very fortunate that there was a country singer that really liked our item. And you can go to his site and stuff. Is he on TikTok? Um, is Morgan Wallen on TikTok. Oh. Morgan is now part of our company. No way. And Congratulations. Had, we, we, ma- we made his own tea for him. Oh, you should put his face yeah. on, on one side. We did. His own, and his, his what name, do I know about his name, I don't know. His <laughs> name, his name is on the tea. 
You can buy it on Amazon. Oh, we got to have Morgan Wallen Sweet Tea. I'm excited about this. Uh, the tea is a competitive category. Zero calories, zero total fat, zero sodium. I love the zeros so all the way down. it's pretty much all natural. But remember this moment tonight. Totally. October 18th, <laughs> 2023, 10 months old. Let's see three, four, five, six years from now yeah. where this brand is. So what, what is the big. end game for this? Build it and hopefully someone comes along, likes it. And would like to purchase it. Dude, what a great story. Very you have, fortunate. Yeah. You have. Amazing. But you worked um, so fucking hard. I worked really hard. An, an amazing mom and dad. Really great parents. I have some questions. And wife and daughter. I think there is this idea that we have of people that are successful in business mm -hmm. that we cannot relate to. And a lot of the times we imagine a day in the life of a wealthy person to be so much different than ours. Mm -hmm. If you could describe your day in the life, think, do you just wake up and you're like, oh, I did a good job. Like, I don't have to, you know, or is your day in the life a lot more humble than that? So I grew up like totally middle class. Um, so I still do pinch myself. And I also pride myself on being generous with my friends and my family. That's the first thing, uh, taking care of my brother, uh, my friends, um, when I had the first big success um, after that deal I made with the, if Pretzelkirch was done, but after the deal I made with the investment firm, my dad had passed away and he was in, in the mausoleum and he was in the worst spot because that's all we could afford. He was up in the top corner, 2014. So I went to the mausoleum, my daughter was with me and my, they knew my father very well. And I had to get permission from the mayor of Fort Lee. I said, I want my dad out of that spot, and I want him on the 50 yard line, the best spot in the mausoleum, and get one for my mom right next to him. It was very emotional. <laughs> oh. yeah, so that's... the church charged me like $17,000 to do that. Yeah. Yeah, it's a business. The church is a business. Yeah. And they took my dad out, and we said prayers, and my daughter was with me at the time. She happened to be in New Jersey, and, 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 I, and I moved my dad, and my mom's next to him now. Yeah, so that was pretty wild. I was happy I could do that. Yeah. And then take care of my brother, also very important to me. And I love um, doing great things for my friends. Because you want your friends with you, right? What, what good is if you're doing all this fun stuff and you don't, you don't have your you friends have or your buddies friends. with you? Yeah. Right? Yeah, so yeah. I love doing that. So I don't know if that answers your question. So yeah. when I wake up, um, I'm still um, so involved with this now. Um, I should go to the gym. That's what my wife keeps telling me. <laughs> that's, oh, that's one thing about, about being in what I did, I've gone up, up and down a hundred pounds like a yo-yo. I go from like really- In weight, big, you're saying? Yeah. I've okay. Really, you ran two marathons. I did two marathons. Two fucking years. And I never marathons. even trained for it. I just went out and ran it. Right. One year I did three hours and 40 minutes. Just, just, just went out, I signed you up. You ran 26 miles? Yeah, yeah I, just, I did two marathons. New York City marathons. Holy three hours and 40 minutes. So, so that, that- That's psychological. Loving the that fun. That is psychological. Yeah, That's crazy. It was just, I was just mentally, I just did that. So that was pretty wild. But I'm- I'm still planning stuff. I'm always, I'm a planner, that organizational type of guy. Friends ask me to help them with airfares and that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. I'm a travel agent sometimes because I've done it so many years myself. Yeah. But was your question like, what is his mindset like uh, no, I, while no, no, he was he, in the grind? I think a very, yeah. very okay. good job answering it. Just people think a lot of times on social media, um, a lot of the comments under um, people who are successful, who they don't even realize worked hard, they're like, it must be nice to just wake up this way. And it's like, so, maybe they worked for it. I'm, I'm 58, and and this, going to Italy, like that stuff didn't start like till I was 48, like only like 10 years ago. Mm. I wasn't doing this since I was 28. Mm -hmm. I didn't take any vacations. I'm not complaining. Everyone works hard. I don't deserve a medal for that. But um, up until I was 48, no, it was... Always, always. And then up until right till COVID, and then that's when it slowed down with the traveling for, for work. Mm. Yeah. And remember all those dinners I mentioned earlier? Yeah. I was there were some times I didn't want to be with those people. Right. Yeah. Okay. They right. might, yeah, they were fun, Aldo, but they weren't fun. Right. But, but I had to, I had to make believe. That's right. so interesting. Yeah. I saw. Not be fake. But yeah, I just you have, have to. You but have it's to, almost like it's you're a, a performer. You're a performer. It's a show. You're a performer. You yeah. perform. yeah. some of that. And people, yeah. Have, yeah. there's no empathy for right. the performer. You could be sick and you're like, oh, fuck. I have to get myself together, get up. Yeah, absolutely. There's no empathy. You said that a lot of people in the younger generation are more entitled. Yeah. Can you elaborate on that? Well, I'm old school. 
I'm old school regarding how to be a salesperson, how to go about your business, how to treat people, how to show respect. And I just don't think the younger generation, not all of them, but the majority, I don't think they have those same traits as people who are old school like myself. Mm-hmm. I just don't. And, and I did experience some of that with some of the people that we hired. And uh, I'll give you a, a small example. I, I'd be on the sales calls every week with the sales team. And after a while, I wasn't on anymore because I was told I made people nervous. <laughs> I was too tough. What? Because, well, for, I'll right. give you an example. Yeah, yeah. So I, I saw a bill one time like for $300 for next day air of samples for a meeting from New Jersey to uh, Seattle or Portland. And oh. I said on the call, who, uh, who spent $300? I just happened to catch it. How many times don't I catch it, right? Right, right. And I forgot who said, oh, it was me. I said, oh, how long did you know that you had the meeting? Oh, I knew three weeks in advance. And then you send the samples out next day air? next day air. You're not sending out. That's last minute. You're not sending out cheese or meat. Yeah. I said, why did you send them out UPS ground for $28 two weeks ago? Silence. Silence. And then. I get done with that, and later on, one of the people on the call, like, you, you, you rattle that person, he's all upset, you said you were mean to him. I wasn't oh mean. Oh my no, goodness, you the mean. You fucking made, called him that out. That made so, so much sense I'm just me. giving you an example. Yeah. But if that was what, his own money, he would have that's, cared. That's my point. Yeah. That's my point. He didn't so, care about the company's money. He's like, whatever, it's $300. And I'll go back to my original boss, and he taught me that. Mm. He taught me that, and, and that stuck with me. He goes, you might just say it's 300 here, 100 here, but over 12 months in a year, if you keep That's doing insane. that, if you keep doing that, it's, it's going to affect your company. Yeah. So you must have that discipline on everything, whether it's a dollar or totally. it's $100. See, yeah. yeah I, it's a little ex- obsessive, but, no, I but totally it works. Agree. See, I, I, works. I see that a lot. A lot of times you see people who are more successful in business and the general public who's not. Right. They're like, they don't, they're so fiscal or they're so, they're worried about nickeling and diming. And I'm like, that's how they right. make those good decisions but all the time. What is the old school saying? You worry about the nickels and dimes and the dollars take care of themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And also the old school for me was would take my employees out to Yankee games or Ranger game or dinners. And I'm going to spend time with them. And, and it was really nice. That's what made it even rougher when you sell. Because you build those relationships and then it's kind of done with the team, and then it's over. I it's think of it like a season of filming an episode, I'm like telling a you. TV show, and then yeah. the TV show's done, and then everyone goes their separate yeah. ways. Seinfeld was nine years, ended other shows, and then everyone goes their separate ways, and and that's pretty much what happens in in my business. At someone of your level of success, what do you think about working from home now since the pandemic in terms of um, productivity? employees yeah. I mean everything's different now bosses. I, you know when I started it was faxing was just coming out <laughs> uh, I, I, I remember That's amazing I, I, I remember that my uh, my boss I, I, I talked to you about the US I talked to you about Canada he also sent me to Australia New Zealand and back oh. then there was no cell phones or anything so I spent about two weeks in Sydney and Australia setting up bagel chips uh, in Australia. And it was pretty cool going to Australia, right? Yeah, I, I would yeah. imagine. It was great. And then what I would do is I would uh, I would call them once every other day, or then I would write notes and I would fax them notes, and that's how we would communicate. And so that was pretty wild, you know. And then and then then I had the BlackBerry as we evolved into the BlackBerry. Right. And I remember I didn't want to get rid of the BlackBerry because it had right. the keyboard. I didn't want to get an iPhone. Oh yeah, yeah everybody. Was, I didn't yeah, want to get an iPhone. It was, yeah, no, but yeah. so when I started, think about that faxing. Which just was the curly paper. Yeah. It wasn't in the flat paper. It was yeah. that the facsimile paper. Yeah. What do you mean it? It was there, a thin paper. There was a oh, thin okay. paper. So you don't remember. No, I'm no, thinking. Has I, no idea. I was there, like, there was just paper spin over yeah. that would, would, would curl up when it would come out of the fax machine. It, yeah. It wasn't like regular 8x10 white right. paper. It wasn't like. Oh, so it would go like this. It would curl just the way it curled floor. around the roll. On the floor. It, and then it, would go it, was like, it was like a plastic. It wasn't yeah. even like paper. Like the it British reading thing. like a, yeah. a war letter. Like, yeah. sure. Yeah. And it, yeah. it was like that. <laughs> That's no, scrolls, like the scrolls. <laughs> yeah, and then, and then, and then um, to follow up with buyers, I have to sit down and like type a letter out 
and I'd have an I'd have like an assistant. Or do you anything. know how to type? I, I, had to, I had to learn how to type. Do, do you know how to type? We, we all learn in school how to type. It kind of sticks with you. For mm. Not for me. Yeah, no, I'm, he doesn't I'm know like, how to type. So, so <laughs> the follow up letters are, you know, dear Bill, here's the five points we discussed today. You know, and I look forward to speaking to you next week. So we had to follow up all the time. No email. That didn't didn't exist. Wow. So, so there it, was a lot of guerrilla marketing. It was a ton a of lot of. All so of you, do you, wait, I'll tell you another funny story. When when we had the pretzel crisp, I went to the Super Bowl. It was in Dallas, uh, Pittsburgh versus Fred, who it was, and I had my buddy make me a hockey jersey of a pretzel crisp bag. So basically, I was walking around. Like I was That's I was a big brilliant. bag. That is brilliant. <laughs> I was a big, and I did one for dipping chips and palm That's crisp. That's incredible. Yeah, yeah. So I'm at the Super Bowl, and was it Ryan Seacrest, the guy? Yeah, he was on Good Morning. He was on the show with Kelly oh, Ripper. Oh, right, right. I think, yes, Ryan Seacrest. Yes, 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 like, yes. Uh, right near me. And he goes, oh, I love those things, whatever. He literally was sitting yeah, next to you? Yeah, like, he was like a couple rows from me. I go, take a picture of me. He goes, that I won't do. Because he knows <laughs> I had the jersey on. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So so now, you know where my ranger seats are on the garden? Yes. So Front row. I, I, Front uh, row behind. Second row, second row. Second row. Okay. Right behind the, the goal. Right behind, right the, behind goal. the goal. Where the rangers shoot twice. Yeah. That's right. So um, when I came out with my own brands, I would wear the jersey because the national anthem, the camera would always hit me. Yeah. So I'm like, okay. I'd wear the jersey. And this guy from ESPN came down. Was it Ravel? His name was? I forgot his name was. Uh, some big shot at ESPN. He came down to my seats and he says, are you being paid to wear that shirt? <laughs> True story. What? And I said, no. Why are you wearing that? You're at a hockey game. I said, this is my company and I can't afford to do TV and radio. So I'm wearing so it. Smart. I'm wearing this because my seats, I'm on TV a lot. He goes, well, that's kind of, you know, cheesy, isn't it? I go, let me ask you a question. Where's the press box? Where'd you go? Oh, I was up there. Oh. Jeez, and you right. came all right. <laughs> the way down say, yeah. to come and tell me that. <laughs> I love it. Think about that. Right. That's what I said. That's advertising. I go bro. think about that. I love Did it. you notice it? That's why you're here. True story. Yeah. That's incredible. And what did he say? Yeah. yeah he was like, oh, I'm a dick. He goes, I'm the dick. He actually did a, like a post or something and he gave me like uh, exposure. Oh, That's I cool. love yeah. that. It was really, really nice. Now, I wore that same shirt at the U.S. Open. It was the old Louis Armstrong court. And every day, me and my friends, we'd all wear the shirts. And I get a tap on the shoulder, and my seats were right behind the server in Louis Armstrong Stadium. And I get a tap from the, United, the Tennis Association's mm -hmm. lawyer. I said, hey, what's up? He goes, he goes, come with me, come with me. He pulls me in the back. I go, what's up? Now, I had a few drinks to me at the time, yeah, so right. I'd make sure I control my temper. 38%. Yeah. I'm like, what, what, what are you bothering me for? What were they going to say? He goes, he goes, listen to me. He server. goes, IBM pays $20 million. JP Morgan pays $30 million a year. They're, you can't be sitting there <sighs> advertising. I go, wait a second. People come with, with their logo. They yes. wear whatever they want. He goes, want. oh, yes, a little logo on the corner. You're, you're a walking billboard. You're a walking <gasps> billboard. And I'm not going to fight the USTA Association. So I said, okay. I said, no problem. I get it. I said, give me your card, whatever. I sent him samples. The guy became my friend. Oh, the guy became my friend. He was wearing it to the he next US turned out to be a really. <laughs> he turned out to be a really nice guy, and he was just doing his job, and I totally respected it, and we didn't wear the jerseys anymore. But, I, but we got ooh. a lot of but we did get a lot of airtime until he course. told us to stop. I you still have so, those jerseys. I still have them. You, I, uh, yeah. yeah. Where, where do you have them? They're in my closet. I <laughs> feel like though you yeah, should be able to just wear. I'd be like, what is the problem? It's just That's like amazing. IBM pays twenty million a year. Well, to advertise here, they're the boss there at the U.S. Open, so. That's yeah. what happened. So I did everything I possibly could to promote my brands, and it was right. pretty cool. Pretty that, and and so yeah, you run it till the wheels fall off with promoting, and then yeah. they say to you, yeah. "Listen, you can't do that here." Yeah, that's. Funny. I even have the. I made the hockey jerseys with the T. So I take all the brands I I've been know involved why. with. You did. I make hockey jerseys. Dude, jerks. I need to send me yes. one. Man. I mean, yeah, well, wear it. Okay. And then you'll have they'll have to just get three people in trouble. Like, <laughs> oh, no. Wait, there's one over there. No, there's another one over oh, there. We're just yeah. gonna sit in we'll different sections. Right, we'll be in the sections. cheap seats. Right, we'll yeah. the yeah. cheap seats. Yeah. Like, you can't do that. Right. <laughs> like, like, you know what? Forget about it. No one's yeah. gonna see that. If someone is close to your position in the earlier years, mm -hmm. and they want to sell their company, what are five tips that you would give? to the person wanting to sell and what are three to five tips that you would give 
the buyer? Okay, so wow. tips if you want to sell. Yes. Well, um, try to be profitable, and that's important. Got to show a trajectory that your sales are going up. Okay. No one wants to buy a company that the sales are going down. No, what does no one want to invest in a company that sales are not happening, or no one wants to buy a company? It depends. Where sales, okay. What you can show them on what the future might be. Okay. Right. You show them a forecast, and is the forecast going to turn out to be what you project it's going to be? So you got to be profitable. You got to show a trajectory that's going up. You have to show um, velocity, meaning at the store, are you selling two bags a week in the store? Or are you selling 22 bags a week in the store? They want to see that data. They want to see that data and how quickly it's selling. So how quickly are the stores turnover. reordering the turnover? Right. So those are three things right there. Hmm. Those are three things right there that are really, really important. Um, they, they look at the team a little bit, but at the end of the day, they're going to put their own team in. Usually, when they make an acquisition, if they're going to spend a lot of money, it's their right, okay? But if there's some superstars that stand out, they'll keep the superstars. Um, so that's what I found all these years that was like synonymous with all the companies that were, were built and sold. Profitability, trajectory of the product, is there future sales they can get? They want to see all that. Mm. Yeah, and luckily in the brands we had, uh, that's been the case. Mm. Yeah. But if they are looking to acquire, acquire, if you look what into, are some if you're looking to acquire, acquire, you have to do you know what they call due diligence. They have to dig inside our books or whoever's selling. Make sure the books are real. Make sure the sales are real. Make sure the numbers are real. The profits real. Um, talk to some of the buyers is what some of the people did that looking at my company. They went and talked to ShopRite or Walmart, and they want to hear right from the buyer. How's this product doing? Are you going to sell more next year or less next year? So that, that's, what, that's the other side of it. Mm -hmm. If you're looking to buy, you have to do your homework before you spend a lot of money and buy a company. Mm. Yeah, very, very, very important. Yeah, a lot of people point. don't realize Good how question. competitive the... Yeah. The I think I answered it, right? Yeah. Much. No, that was yeah, great. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We're at the point in the show where we ask every single guest... Uh-oh. Two questions. First question is, if you were to be able to have dinner with anyone in history, dead or alive, famous, not famous, family, friends, politicians, historians, who would it be? Babe Second. Ruth. Babe oh, Ruth. Oh, that, oh, that was the quickest answer ever. I didn't get it out. Why? Fun, New York Yankee, <laughs> legendary. Okay. He's, he's I love safe, it. He saved baseball. He saved baseball. Oh. And that was your first response. Yeah. Fun. Yeah, Babe Ruth. That was the quickest was the anyone's quickest. ever answered. Yeah, some people are like they like mm. they they ponder. Mm. All right, next. Question. Second question then: If you were to be able to have the phone contact list to anyone in history, dead or alive, family, friend, politician, historian, the contact list, phone yeah. contact. You have to. No I'm kidding. No, Ooh, no, 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 Big Sinatra. Okay. Ooh, okay, another like Sinatra. All of them are like ladies' men. Women, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say womanizer Sinatra. kind of situation. Too. He was a rat pack. Man. He was a rat pack. Yeah. yeah, we have a gift. Well, we have a gift. Thank you. <laughs> Very nice <laughs> of you. You want me to open it? Absolutely. Okay, I will open it. The packaging is done by. Yeah. In case what do you think of the packaging? In case you're a packaging expert, what do you think of the packaging? Look at it, it's two tone. You very see the nice. Coloring? Took him months to design. Oh, nice bracelet. Thank you yes. very much. Oh, nice. Thank you very much. It was so fun having you on. Thank I enjoyed you being so here. so much. Hope you enjoyed my journey to uh, where I'm at right now in my life. Totally. I mean, totally. I honestly learned so much. Amazing life. <laughs> Thank you so We're much. I'm proud yes. of you, man. Thank you. Um, and um, I'm proud to have you guys as my friends. We have fun, and we'll have more fun in the future. Thank you so yeah. much for being with us. Loved it. You Amazing. guys are great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of the Play How Look Dope podcast. We will see you next time. Bye. Peace. <laughs>